Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that was in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Thanks for joining us today on Faith in Your Recovery. We appreciate your time and your willingness to tune in. We believe this is going to make a difference. It's going to give you a a different take, maybe help break down some of that stigma and bias that goes along with some of our thinking. Our guest today is Jason Dillman. Welcome, Jason. Oh, thank you. Why don't you go ahead and take a little time, introduce yourself to the folks that are listening professionally, personally. Go with the personal first. Okay. Again, my name is Jason Dillman. I was born and raised here in Anderson, Indiana. I went to high school, Highland. Both my parents were teachers. My father taught at the high school at Highland. My mom taught uh, elementary school forever. Seems like both of them were teachers forever. And so there's good community connection there. Went to college at Ball State, graduated and got into the criminal justice field. Is that what you got your degree in, was criminal justice? Actually, no. Um, <laughs> initially, I was I went to school to get into so politics, uh, initially. Wasn't really sure if that was a path I wanted to take, but it was something I was very interested in, and really dumb luck. A friend of mine got me a job at the youth center over at, over here off uh, the Mounds Center, and it just took off from there. I, I, I fell in love with you know, hearing the stories and having that desire to want to help someone and can make a difference even on a minimal level of just listening to a child there who was struggling. And uh, then uh, eventually after getting my degree, a position opened up in, in juvenile probation and, and I was hired there and, and worked there for about 11 and a half years. And through that grew and, and continued to help people and, and grow in relationships. Got burnt out there for a little while, so took a little respite, but still stayed with the youth center while I readjusted my career and uh, an opportunity presented itself with the Madison County Problem Solving Courts, which is drug court, rancher court, no health court. What were those again, please? So that's the uh, Madison County Problem Solving Courts, and under that umbrella, we'll get into that more later as far as the professional piece, but that's your drug court, your reentry court, and your mental health court. Okay. And these are specialty courts. Uh, you know, I'll talk more about that later, but renewed my passion to work with not only addiction issues, but coming from you know criminal background, felonious backgrounds, trying to help people get their lives put back together. Well, hooray for you. Thanks for that work. We need that. And yeah, a lot that. of folks out there struggling from all of those angles <laughs> Absolutely. that you just mentioned there. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. But I have to ask the question if there's been any bleed over as far as the education from going into the political field and criminal justice. No names intended in any no, way. No, yeah. No, I think it's it's obviously it's beneficial to have political connections and, and being involved in some of that. Just having a, a, the basic knowledge of that has helped me work across both party lines. I have many friends who are Republicans and many friends who are Democrats. And that's, and I feel fortunate to have that type of relationship. So it, it's, it's good, especially the judges. Uh, you can speak the language. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what's important to them and that translates to what's important to their constituents and to get into that, what we're trying to really get the word out is, is through the political piece of, of trying to educate people on what we do and why that saves taxpayer dollars and, and helps on, on a much bigger scale other than just locking people up and throwing away the key. 
You made a comment a little bit ago, even if it's the minimal idea of just listening. I think in today's society, that's not the minimum. When you take the time to listen, we're all so busy. We don't give that moment as we should and truly hear what's being said. So sure. that's got to be powerful. And then to be able to give that feedback and let them know they've been heard. We all want that. Sure, sure. Whether we've got a criminal background or not. No, I absolutely agree. We all need to be heard. We all need to listen, too. I see this often enough of not just stopping and listening. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a skill. <laughs> it, it takes practice. For sure, and takes a lot of intention. Well, go ahead and tell us a little more about you professionally, how that plays out, what your job, your role is like, the experiences. We consider ourselves here at Faith in Your Recovery to be about all things recovery. And I noticed one of the terms you used there was addiction. So I'm sure you you deal with those who struggle with that disease. Tell us about that, please. Sure. You said it very well. It's not just about the addiction to substance. Addiction is a disease in and of itself can manifest in many different ways. It can manifest through substance use disorder. It can manifest itself through gambling through sexual addictions. It can manifest itself in the street life of quick money, quick cash, uh, living on the edge, no real concept of tomorrow. Is tomorrow even going to be here? Uh, the guys that we deal with come from all different aspects, but primarily when you're talking about our drug court participants, those are our substance abuse guys, gals. That's their primary diagnosis is they have to have that addiction piece. When you talk about more of our recovery guys, or sorry, our reentry court guys, those guys will be uh, and gals will are not always just substance abuse offenders or substance offenders. They can have any type of nonviolent felony background, which you have to adapt a case plan to address that type of, uh, of addiction, if you will. Trying to find a recovery component in that can be challenging at times, especially if they don't think that they have a problem. A lot of what we do on the early end of when they come into the program is trying to sell them on this new way of life or a new way of thinking or just get them to show up. If I can get you to show up, maybe, just maybe, we can have you listen, then turn that around and have us listen, and we can create a plan that will help you become a better person not only just a better person, but a better person in our community. And, and that's what we like to pride ourselves on is, is, how, is creating taxpaying citizens who are not committing crime. All of our participants, they don't get to stay in our program if they're committing crime. So that's their incentive to, to continue to, to do the next right thing. And as they grow, when we talk about jobs, they, they go from, we call any job, better job, career, the ABCs of, of employment. So we'll get them started in, in, in local jobs. We've got a lot of local employers around here that do a great job of supporting our our participants. So it's a community effort, oh, absolutely. obviously. Absolutely. And then we get them linked with treatment. And uh, a lot of times the treatment's pretty intense. So you don't have a lot of time for a full-time job yet. But once the treatment component isn't in depth or you don't have as many hours dedicated to that, then you'll, you'll transition into that better job. Our hope is either if you're not transitioning into a better job, you're transitioning into school to learn the tools necessary for that better job. I like to tell our guys when they get there, I want to I want to leave you better than I found you. So our hope is that they have that career job or at least that career trajectory to to do something positive with their life for themselves, for their family that doesn't result in committing crime to get through the day. 
sounds to me like, number one, you need them to be present, not just physically, but mentally and uh, listening and sharing. Sure. And then you move from that to planting that seed and hoping to help them grow into a uh, good, strong, solid citizen. Absolutely. We have partnerships. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we're, we have partnerships uh, with prosecutor's office and with the public defender's office that when they do successfully complete our programming and complete all they have left to do on their criminal docket, if you will, as long as they're staying involved in the recovery community, they're doing what they call extraordinary activities. That means getting a, a degree or getting a certification or continuing to stay involved in the recovery community or stay involved with our community. With We have a huge alumni program that we're continuing to grow they can qualify for early expungement to have their records expunged. So those are further incentives after they graduate as well. It sounds like there's a lot out there for them if they keep uh, keep their nose to the grindstone, keep working Absolutely. and moving forward. Absolutely. So how do you get into the program? Or is it a judge's decision, individuals? Tell the folks how that works. Well, ultimately, obviously, you have to have a, a felony offense there are certain types of offenses we can't take just under our our charter. So we can't take sex offenders. We can't take violent offenders. The, those are ruled out. But you have to be what's considered high risk, high need, which ultimately means it's very intensive supervision. So when when we talk about our participants in our program, our, our clients, whatever term you want to use there, we know them. We see them multiple times at the beginning. We see them multiple times throughout the week. We'll see them every week. Our judge gets to see them in drug court every week and then the other courts every other week. They're very well known to us by the time they complete our program. We all know each other really, really well. To get in the door, you have to have a, a felony. You must have, I'll say, approximately three years of, of potential incarceration hanging over your head. So that's the, the carrot to dangle in front of them to say, okay, well, you can do this program instead of going to prison. And so that's, that's where the piece comes in where we want to try to save the taxpayers dollars because we believe that we can supervise them in this community under intensive supervision and not send them to prison while also getting them the help that they need. Productive yeah, instead absolutely. of imprisoned. Yes. Uh, yes. So uh, how long has this uh, problem solving court, how long has that been a, an opportunity here in Madison County? You're going to test me a little bit here. I, I don't know the exact dates. What I know is the drug court's been around the longest. I, I know that I was in, I was a probation officer when it launched. And so I want to, I want to guess that that was in the late nineties or early aughts when, when that got started. 20 plus years. Yeah, 20, it's 20 been plus. over 20 years, right around 20 years. So for drug court, I know that uh, reentry court was the next to come along. So that one's our middle child, if you will. And then the mental health court came along and as a specialty court, uh, under our umbrella anyway. They've had varying degrees of these types of courts, but but for the full certification under the problem-solving court umbrella, those are our three. At this time, at this point in the uh, problem-solving court system, which which aspect of the three is getting the most participants slash clients? Typically, drug court would be the one that has the most clientele. We can because we usually have such a higher volume there. I don't know what to attribute this to. Just with COVID hitting, those numbers fell off significantly. So we got a higher caseload in reentry courts. I don't know the exact numbers uh, right at this moment, but they're pretty close in numbers as far as that goes. Now, mental health court, it's not designed to be a large court. It's designed to be fairly small and be fairly intensive. Those are people that have to have an, an access one diagnosis of depression, anxiety, bipolar, 
schizophrenia, those types of things, but they can also function in society. Do you feel like the community understands what your efforts are, generally speaking, or do you think there needs to be more awareness? Help us with that. There can always be more awareness. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think there's ever a shortage of that. I do feel that the longer I've done this and created more contacts in this community and in the state, I feel like the, the awareness effort is working, especially with employers. There's not as much stigma attached to our clients anymore. They are far more willing to give seven chances um, than, than, a lot of, uh, than, they, than they used to be. A lot of employers will shy away from this type of person based on their history. And we actually have some very productive employers. I, I'm not going to name them. I didn't check with them ahead of time. But you bet. They communicate with us. They, they feel like they're part of the team. They feel like they're part of that individual's treatment team. And it's really cool to, to get them involved. And, and they love reaching out to us and saying, hey, I want to let you know they did a great job this past week with whatever their task was. Or, hey, there was a really big situation that happened with a customer. And I want to let you know they handled themselves really, really well. And, and you get that those positive reports just makes you feel really good. At the same time, you know, we're also able as a community to get them the help needed too. If they say, hey, this person was late to work the other day and it's been, we're starting to see a, a downward trend here, uh, then we can get them in and get them talked to and see what the problem is a lot quicker. So, Obviously, they're wanting to make an impact. Absolutely. They're investing time, energy, finances, a little sure. bit of everything, sure. and certainly want to see that individual become whom they were created to be and to be that full. Uh, have that full right to citizenship and living that yes, life. Absolutely. And it, it's just really neat to watch. I remember when I first started doing this job around eight years ago, eight and a half years ago uh, in this particular field, it was difficult to, to get an employer to go out on that limb with you. I'll go a step further. I'll talk about independent housing. That's a goal that everyone has to achieve to graduate our program. You have to have independent housing. There are people that wouldn't rent to this population. We have landlords now who are becoming familiar with what we do. They come to our graduation uh, ceremonies to watch their tenants graduate. And it's, it's a really neat thing to watch this community start to come together and, and say, okay, how can we help? So people are seeing potential instead of problems. Exactly. exactly. Awesome. That's a neat thing. What has been one of the real eye-openers to you, Jason, as far as your work in this field from the beginning to where you are today? Tell us a couple of those things that have, you know, maybe put a little, whoa, hadn't dealt with that before, but it's a new day. I've been doing this type of work for over 20 years, so I learned long ago to never say I've seen it all or or never say I'll never see anything like that again. Uh, You absolutely... (laughs) Well, tomorrow will prove you wrong. I can't just kind of putting me on the spot. I can't remember any any one specific thing, but I will say that as far as eye openers, and it continues to always be true, and I, I believe this now, but I didn't when I first started working in, in this field, in my character defect at the time, I, I hope I've gotten over this, but I've had people approach me over the years and say, ask me this question, how can you work with people like that? Like and, that. Yeah, and it, and it, and it now I take great offense to that, you know, but before I'm like, yeah, I know, man. Uh, I can't believe that these you know, people get second chances and third chances and 10th chances. Now that I've been here as long as I've been here and I've seen what I've seen, what I know is number one, there are, they are people like that. They're people like you and me when they get sober, when they get on meds, when they are given an opportunity 
and you see them they I don't see I don't see a difference between them and me who am I I'm not anybody special these are normal I don't like necessarily like that term normal but normal is normal gets right these are normal humans when they don't have to to battle those demons or, or when their their demons are at bay when their meds are, are regulated when they feel better they're no different than you or me they just were put in a situation life got away from them somehow some way yes we are all left with choices yes we all have a choice to make and i suppose the the flip side of that question that you asked me on the surprise thing is i do still get a little surprised when they aren't successful after completing our program and covid was was pretty depressing time for our graduates we took many hits there with losing several people back to addiction but that will always be the the one part that i don't ever understand because you put your heart and soul into helping people and they put their heart and soul into getting better and then and then they're left with that decision that's their decision to make yes we can't do it for no, them can't do it for them you can no. only lead them to the water there you go i once heard a guy say you can lead a horse to water the old adage says you can't make them drink but you can put salt on their tongue <laughs> yeah. and you can do that by tempting them with the good life that's before them if they mm-hmm. you know are able to walk that line Sure. Stay sure. on that. Path. Well, I had a colleague years ago. This is where my thinking started to turn. Uh, we were in a, a bit of a debate, if you will, and and uh, he used that adage: "Can't you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink." But but he took that part out. And he said, "When it comes to addiction, when it comes to um, recovery, you can lead the horse to water, but you have to keep leading them to the water. You can't take the water away." Because if once you take that water away, they they have the, they'll die, and that, it's as simple as that. Yeah, and it got real simple real fast for me at, at that point. <laughs> that, that helps. That makes perfect sense. It it certainly does. For the last seven years, I've dealt with those people as well, mm-hmm. and I've come to find such respect for the heart and the effort they put into to getting to where they want to be. It's not an easy task. You watch the struggle. And, uh, you know, we all get comfortable where we are, even if we're not in a good place. And to realize what's, what's healing, what's recovery going to look like, what's this going to mean to my tomorrows? Can I live that? Can I handle that? But again, if you get the water today, you go back to it tomorrow. We all need that. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's enriching to just you get down and you think about the the success stories that we have. That's what we tell our participants a lot too is and this is to our alumni that are out there. We don't make a lot of money doing what we do. For the, the amount of effort and things that are required to do this type of job that I do, the system has yet to really reward us for that. And I don't know that they ever will. We have to find that bonus check, if you will, in the success stories. And man alive, you want to see a group of people's face light up. Our whole team, from our judge to our coordinator to case managers to the treatment people that, that may still be hanging around after staffing, and you see a, a former participant who's out there doing well, and they just stop by to say hi. Oh, my Lord, we just we get so we get so happy about that. And then, you know, get to check in with them and get they, an update from them, and, yeah. and that just that makes your day. They couldn't give you a bonus check no. that wouldn't match that, no, could and, they? No, but no, it's, it's hard to understand. It's hard to put that into words, the feeling that you have, but it, it makes you it makes you 10 times stronger, and you want to come back to do it 10 times harder the next day. So. I don't mind telling you that's my addiction high. Okay, yeah. It's seeing that have. in folks, finding them finding that success and then sharing it. 
and people do realize addicts do recover. We can all recover, and we're all in recovery of some type. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. What do you see as the biggest challenge right now for those who are dealing within the court system that you've mentioned here today during our conversation? You know, access. We do a good job getting our folks our folks the access, even if you've not completed our program successfully, our, we, we, our doors are always open. And so we try to make an effort to reach out to our unsuccessful people. So if we have to file a termination for something that, you know, they didn't follow the rules and, and they have to exit the program, we do, a, my coordinator is really good at, at reaching out to them and saying, hey, this isn't the end, you know, we're still here if you need us. And, you know, we'll, we'll have people stop by our office all the time that, that are no longer participants, but they'll still come by and get advice. And so I don't know how to bridge that gap yet. Obviously, I wish there were more of me to go around, more of my co- colleagues to go around so we could help more. But that's a bitter pill to swallow when you don't have someone successfully complete the program. And, uh, of course, some of them get pretty bitter about that themselves and they want to be angry and want to blame someone. And they obviously look to us for that. But a lot of them are able to see that in themselves. They see the fault. You know, I screwed up. This is on me. That ownership. Perfect example. I had a guy get all the way to the very end of the program. And how long is that generally speaking? Reentry court is a 24 month program. Okay. So it's two years there. Drug court and mental health court is a 30 month program. Okay. The differences are just the way it's written. And the reentry court track is supposed to be a little quicker because you should have received services in DOC. So we shouldn't have to go back and duplicate too much. Okay. This was a drug court participant that I'm referring to. And he was a very successful assistant manager somewhere at a local business and just got caught in a big lie at the end of the day. And because we hold you at a higher standard when you're at a higher phase, uh, unfortunately, it was it was something that, you know, he, we couldn't undo. His actions got himself in quite a bit of trouble, and he was terminated from the program. Well, he went back to his home court, and he was ultimately sent to the Department of Corrections. As soon as he got out, he reached out to us, said, hey, I want to let you know I'm out, and I wanted to say thank you for all the effort you guys put into me while I was here. And he asked if he could be involved in some of our programming and things like that. And I happened to run into him shortly thereafter, and he was back working where he was working. And he did all the things we taught him to do. He got himself into the halfway house. He got himself into 12-step programming. Oh, absolutely. And he gave me the biggest hug. And and it was just like, man, good for you. You were faced with tremendous adversity and even went back to the Department of Correction, which, you know, really, I'm sure stunk. But at the end of the day, you didn't let that get you down. And you're back out here fighting. He had a relapse and fought back from it. A was, yeah, this wasn't even relapse. A, yeah, it wasn't even, it was a behavioral relapse in the end of the day. So he was not about to sacrifice his, this is what he told me. He's like, I'm not about to sacrifice my clean time for this. I relapsed in my recovery. Yes, didn't relapse on my substance use, and I'm not going to let this stop me. And, and he's still doing great to this day. I, I talk to him off and on still. And Mistakes happen whether you're yeah. in recovery or you've had addiction issues or not. Oh, it's yeah. called life. It's life. We just don't always make the best choice. And he didn't. He recovered well. And so I just, I'm just saying just because you don't successfully complete this program doesn't mean that's the end. And so we try to reach out to them. As they're exiting our program, if they're exiting unsuccessfully, we try to reach out to them to say, hey, it's not the end of the world. There's still hope, you know, and when you get out, reach out to us. We'll see what we can do to help you out. 
I think back to the scripture that speaks of how we're to raise up a child in the way they should go and they'll return to it. It sounds to me like you just gave us perfect example. You've raised him through the childhood of recovery. He had those tools. He went back to his box to use them. Absolutely. And moments like that are probably as strong as anything that can happen for you. What kind of success rate do you guys experience? The numbers are are difficult to go through. They seem a little shocking at first when you talk about that. But when you look at nationwide, you're you're looking at about 30% who will remain successful. Our numbers are very close to that. We feel really, really good that that our numbers are right around there, if not higher than that at any given time. And that's always what we're reaching for. But again, at the end of the day, even if it's not successful, we still offer that service to to try to help people, especially our alumni, uh, if they are starting to falter which can happen and we expect it. So we, we try to prepare them as best we can for, Hey, real life's about to happen. It's the same we have because when Colts camp was here in town, everybody get geared up for that. And I remember telling our guys all the time, Hey, drug court, rancher court, mental health court, whatever your, your problem solving court that you're in, uh, this is a training camp. This is all this is day one begins the day after graduation. That's your day one. So, I appreciate you getting excited about the accomplishment of graduating a program like this. And, and you should, you should feel really good about yourself. But now that very next day is day one. That's the real world. That's the real world where our safety net, and we do provide quite a bit of safety net. When you fail, you make mistakes. We can address those in the courtroom. In real life, if you fail, there's, there can be a lot bigger ramifications. So Yes. yes. Wow. This is good stuff. I appreciate you sharing this, Jason. I appreciate Uh, you inviting me. I'm from over in Jay County. We don't have this. They're now getting serious about talking drug court in Jay County. They're looking at options. Uh, I've had some familiarity with Adams County. Uh, They had a strong drug court for years. So I I believe in this approach with all my heart and uh, certainly what you guys are doing here in Madison County. So uh, is there anything you'd like to wrap this up with, Jason? Anything you want the folks out there to know? What what can they do to help the general public? Appreciate you asking that. On the political piece, (laughs) you go all the way back to the beginning. Um, Make sure you ask your congressman, your congresswoman, your council members, if this is something that they know about and are in favor of, because we want to grow. Uh, we think that we have a product that can service a lot more than where we are. And so we want to grow with that and we want to entice that growth. And, the, and that's where it's going to start. We want more involvement with our government pieces. The judges are, are all on board. They're incredibly supportive, almost competitively supportive, which is kind of cool to watch. They highly respect what they do. They hardly ever miss a graduation unless it's an absolute emergency. And they definitely track their participants' progress while they're here to, to see how they're doing and who's successful, who's not, why weren't they successful. And you know, as far as on the judicial piece, we have that pretty well covered and they're incredibly supportive. But on the on the more the legislative piece, there can always be more. There's always more funding to be had. There's always more attention that could be given to that. And I know there's there's a lot to go around. But but again, I think we feel like you know when you're talking dollars to cents, when you're talking how much it costs to incarcerate someone, whether it be jail or prison, versus how much it costs you cost the taxpayer to have them on the street. Well, you're you know. 
I mean, the, the there math is doesn't, no it doesn't even ma- it doesn't add up. You're talking about a salary of a of a case manager who can can supervise dozens of these type of people at at, at a high rate, and these uh, individuals are out there working in, in the community. Uh, they're paying taxes, so it speaks for itself. If anyone wants to hear, we have events all the time. Look for us. We're always at, at a parade or a festival or a recovery community event. So always look for us. We've got usually got our banners out and be willing to answer any questions. The fairs, we're always at the fairs in some way, shape, or form. Our alumni do a great job. Uh, they're making big plans for a big trunk or treat coming up. And, and I know it's a little ways away yet still, but there's a big event they're looking to plan and, and get as many entities involved as they can. So we're looking to make this huge thing here in downtown as, as awesome. the ideas, as the dream anyway, that our alumni and I had come up with to, to get more involvement with families and, and kids. So be involved, you know, come out and say, yeah, say hi. We do take donations through our non-for-profit, which helps to fund our incentive program. And our incentives, basically, if you're doing well, if you're meeting certain markers when you come to court, our judge will grant you an incentive. Meaning if you're, if you're screen compliant for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 100 days, depending on where you're at in your program, if you've passed a random screen that you didn't know was coming, if you got a driver's license, if you got a new job, if you just did something really special. We had a guy who did really well on a school test. The judge gave him a draw for that. Things like that. She'll give him a draw out of a fishbowl, and, and we have gifts that we can give them for you know dollar prizes, squishy balls, or little cards or armbands for recovery-based stuff, alarm clocks. Oh, Who doesn't do want an incentive, yeah, right? Absolutely. And that's, and, awesome. and that's kind of how it should be. And so we give out tons of incentives. So we're always looking for assistance with funding with that as well. So, well, Jason, once again, thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing about you, about your career, about all the good stuff going on here in Madison County. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's fun. Yeah, good deal. Good uh, folks, one of the comments Jason made was find out where your your local rep, your congressperson, where they stand on all of this. Let's make it a little more personal. Where do you stand on those people? You and I needed more than one chance. Let's be ready to provide that for others. Thank you. Stay in the battle. God bless.